You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to visit with former NFL quarterback Sean Salisbury and Mike Wobshaw from the Vikings Entertainment Network. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today with my former coach and former quarterback and college coach, Rick Neuheisel. Rick, thanks for taking the time. How are you today? I am well. How are you boys doing? Coach, we're doing really good. You know, I always enjoy speaking with you. Um, of course, we're going to jump into the avenue of... I know you, you and Cordell, me. I know you enjoy speaking to me. The question is, will you ever enjoy listening to me? <laughs> that is always the issue. Whether or not I could you ever get you to pay any attention <laughs> to what I had to say, you, you had no problem verbalizing what you had right. to say. And I'm still having a hard time doing it now, and I'm, I'm, that's what, every bit of 15 or so years later. But um, <laughs> when speaking of how I didn't listen to you, um, I, want, I want most to listen to you with this as far as the quarterback position is concerned. Uh, when you look at Lamar Jackson and his talents, Give me your take in comparison to the other guys that they're saying may be first-rounders. Give me what you feel he needs to do or where he is to have an opportunity to get in the National Football League. Well, Cordell, and, and, and listen, I'm teasing you because you are one of my favorite guys I ever got to coach. Uh, Lamar Jackson reminds me a lot of you, and I, and I mean that in the most complimentary way, and that he, his skill set is so unique because of the athleticism he brings to the position that to me, I would be very intrigued as an NFL guy to bring a guy like Lamar Jackson in. Now, everybody wonders, can he play, quote-unquote, the NFL quarterback? The point I'm making about Lamar Jackson is, why would you want him to be, quote-unquote, the NFL quarterback? Why wouldn't you also draft a little bit of his offense and utilize some of the things that people are utilizing to use the quarterback's legs. I know the NFL is a faster league than collegiate ball. I know the NFL is a physical, physical league in 16 games over a long haul. You can't ask Lamar Jackson to be, you know, a 20 carry a game uh, rusher. But you saw Cam Newton take the Carolina Panthers to the Super Bowl. We've seen uh, Colin Kaepernick take the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl, and the way they did it is utilizing the legs such to the point that the defenses have to accommodate by bringing the eighth man into the box. Once the eighth man comes into the box, you now have the easiest of passing defenses to throw into, whether it be cover three man zone or regular man free. Those two options are much easier with the, than all the combination coverages and the cover two coverages that create real difficulty for uh, receivers to get open. By just utilizing, by just utilizing the, the quarterback's legs a little bit, you can force defenses into those other coverages, which create much easier throws, and I think the uh, sky's the limit. So, to me, in answering your question, Lamar Jackson should be very high on people's lists. Chatting with Rick Neuizel of CBS Sports. Coach, you know the Pac-12 very well. Sam Darnold could be the first quarterback taken, could be the number one overall pick in the draft. Are you concerned at all, though, about all the turnovers he committed last year at USC, not just interceptions, fumbles as well? Well, yeah, I'm concerned, but I can coach those out of him. What you can't coach is his ability to rise to the occasion, which he did almost every time at USC. He was 20-4 and four as a starter. He, uh, if you look back and see what he had as an offensive line, you would shake your head because there was very little time for him to set his feet. 
And yet he never pointed fingers. He never made excuses. He always accepted the blame, which is the number one attribute a quarterback has to have, which is to say the words, it's my fault, and mean it, because that's the quickest way to find a solution to the problem. And Darnold has done that. And to me, uh, although I'm curious to see what Cleveland's strategy is, given their recent acquisition of Tyrod Taylor, to me, uh, Darnold fits the Cleveland mold perfectly because he is a tough guy. He's John Wayne. He's going to ride and save the town. Uh, he's that kind of guy. And he's tough enough to handle the adversity that certainly has been synonymous with the Cleveland franchise. So uh, if, if their strategy is to let uh, Tyrod Taylor be the quarterback for a year, let a guy learn, that sounds good to me. But I, I think what I'm seeing, if I'm guessing, is they're probably going to use that first choice for a Barkley or a or a Chubb, and, uh, and, and look maybe in that fourth position for their quarterback. And I don't know that Darnold will be there if they wait that long. Rick, you mentioned rising to the occasion. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I mean, here's, he comes out of, what, goes to Texas Tech, no scholarship. He goes to Oklahoma, no scholarship, Heisman Trophy winner. He comes across a little brash because he has a chip on his shoulder because he's been told, one, he's diminutive, and two, that he's not capable. That's why he didn't get a scholarship. But here it is, he's kind of in the mix maybe going in the top 10 uh, against all these other big league quarterbacks, so to speak. Give me your take on what you think of Baker Mayfield. I love him, and so too would you, Cordell, if you spend any time with him. He, he, it's not a chip on his shoulder. It's a boulder. <laughs> he, <laughs> he is uh, he's motivated to prove people wrong. I, I watched him at the Senior Bowl for a brief time, uh, standing next to Josh Allen, the big quarterback from Wyoming. And you could tell, standing next to him, he was trying to throw it as hard as Josh Allen, which is going to be hard to do. But he, he, he doesn't see a challenge he can't overcome. And that's a great mindset, especially when you put with a, uh, a skill set, which in the last two years has been over 70% completion percentage. He has an innate ability to throw people open, which is a skill you have to have at the next level. He does have anticipation skills. Uh, in the world of uh, the offense that he existed in at uh, Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, the run-pass option was a big forte, which means your eyes have to go down to the running back, and then you've got to come back up and throw something which you've anticipated based on the pre-snap look. His ability to make those throws accurately, I think, will play well at the next level, especially as you see the, the Super Bowl champion Eagles used a bunch of RPO, in particular in that game against uh, uh, Minnesota to get their chance to play in the Super Bowl. So I, I think if you take Mayfield's offense with him, just as we talked about with Lamar Jackson, you're going to have a really good player at the NFL level. Got in with Rick Neuheisel of CBS Sports. He's our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Rick, you know your alma mater, UCLA, so well. You coached there as well. Josh Rosen, I think, could be the best prospect of all the college quarterbacks. Certainly a strong personality. I'll put it that way. That can translate into leadership, but do you have any concerns about his temperament? No, I, I, listen, I think Josh Rosen is a, is a great prospect. I think he uh, looks most NFL-ready. You don't have to project. I mean, you can look at him standing in the pocket. You know the ball's going to go where he wants it to go. He's got probably the best command of what I call the mini field. Cordell is probably smiling as I say it because I used to teach him about it. It's that area between the two tight ends all the way up to about 22 yards between two cover two safeties. Throwing in the, all the different combinations in there, he's incredibly accurate. I think his tight end had 15 catches in that game against Texas A&M where they rallied the Bruins from 44 to 10 behind to getting a win. Um, I, I think Rosen's got it all. Now, yes, he is brash. He's, he's very intelligent. 
sometimes to a fault. He wants to be the smartest guy in the room, and he'll have to be coachable at the next level. But if he can do that, you don't mind confidence, and you certainly don't mind intelligence. And if you, if he, those two things acclimate so that he can be fast to learning how to anticipate, like Manning and Brady became able to anticipate and figure out what defenses were doing with all the tells that were going on with respect to pre-snap looks. I think Rosen can be terrific. The only thing that worries me about Josh Rosen is the concussions. You know, he's had a few concussions here of late, uh, missed the last couple of games or at least a couple of games in the last half of the season because of them. And uh, that, that to me, is going to be the concern, I think, of the NFL uh, uh, brass as to how high you want to go for him. Coach, let's play GM uh, right now in the Cleveland area. Uh, you have Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback. Jarvis Landry comes in. Uh, and then all of a sudden, I think they end up grabbing Carlos Hyde. Give me your take on this young man, Saquon Barkley. How do you handle that? Because he is so young. He's so versatile. He's kind of like the modern-day running back, like the uh, Christian McCaffrey's of the world, uh, the Ezekiel Elliott's of the world. Give me your take on how do you play him in a sense of where do you have him? Does he go to Cleveland? Do you allow him to go to the Giants and fill in at that position? Well, Saquon Barkley is a magnificent athlete. His combine numbers were off the charts, right? And so it's easy to fall in love with him, especially when you get to meet him and he's that nice a kid. And you can just imagine him as the face of your franchise. The question is, does he merit that pick at number one? And would he be there at number four as you're sitting there sizing up what, what, you need, what your needs are? You know, I, I, I still look at Cleveland and say, they got Miles Garrett on one edge. edge. If you went and got Bradley Chubb from North Carolina State and put him on the other edge, you've got something that everybody in the world would be envying. And you still have a position there at the fourth spot to probably get a quarterback that you believe, a Josh Allen, a uh, uh, Josh Rosen, that can be behind a Tyrod Taylor for a year and learn. And and, uh, you've got a lot of pieces, as you just pointed out, uh, with the the Landry acquisition and so forth. Uh, Barkley is alluring because he is. He's the face of a program. I don't know that he is Ezekiel Elliott, a Leonard Fournette, a every-down power back. There were a number of games this year at the Penn State had where he didn't get 100 yards rushing because he's not, in my mind, that physical guy. He's more Christian McCaffrey, and I don't know – if that's the number one pick in the draft. I think, and especially in a very, very rich uh, running back draft. I mean, you look at Sony Michelle, you look at Ronald Jones, you look at uh, Nick Chubb from Georgia. I mean, the list is very long of a complete carry-on Johnson from Auburn. There's a number of guys that you could probably get in the second round to fill running back needs. As, as not, much as everybody's going to want Saquon Barkley, does he move the needle enough for, as an every down back and get those hard yards that you're going to need to salt games away late? I'm not sure I can answer that affirmatively. Rick Neuweisel, CBS Sports, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Rick, where do you come down to Wyoming quarterback Josh Allen? We know big body, massive arm, but if numbers are going to be our guide, as you know, he was inaccurate at Wyoming, less than 60% completion percentage. Well, that that can be attributed to you know receivers and, and you know not having uh, a long time in that particular offense. I'm not so concerned about that. I saw enough good things when I watched him practice with my own eyes at the Senior Bowl to say, hey, this guy's going to be really good someday. And I've also heard about you know the, the notion in the AFC 
uh, north, you know, with Pittsburgh and Baltimore having success with the bigger guys, Flacco and, and uh, Roethlisberger being big guys, you know, for that, that climate, that uh, you know, late November games to win, you're going to have to have a guy that's got the big hands and can stand in the pocket and so forth. And I, I hear all that. I'm okay with Josh Allen being a top pick. I just don't think you can put Josh Allen in there. And I would say you need at least two years of seasoning for him. If you have the luxury to have somebody play while Josh Allen learns and continues to grow and can get acclimated to things that are going on at the NFL level, I I think he would be a fine pick. He's a great young guy. He's uh, certainly Battlestar Galactic physically. I just think to ask him to play NFL football anytime earlier than two two seasons is a reach. Coach, when you look at this kid, Calvin Ridley, uh, he's proven to be as dynamic as it gets when it comes down to catching a football and being able to get the yards after the catch. How do you see him faring in the National Football League? Because there's a few spots at the top of this draft that can use his 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 talents, and that's Cleveland, uh, the Giants, not knowing for sure where Odell, Odell Beckham would be. Look at what's going on in Indy, uh, even uh, what's going on in Denver, as well as the Jets. Where do you see this young man have an opportunity to move? Because he's really fast. I I love Ridley, and uh, I agree with you that he's going to have a great career. I have a hard time taking a receiver at his size that early. You know, just as you point out all the different attributes that he has, so too do a number of corners, (laughs) right? we got Minka Fitzpatrick, his teammate, on the list. There's a number of guys that uh, play corner that also can run and move and and, – get open and, and, and do the same agility things that, that Ridley can do. If he were a bigger guy, if he were Julio Jones size, I would say, absolutely. You got to get him. You got to get him as fast as you can because Julio Jones is open. Even when he is covered, I'm not sure the same can be said about a guy at Ridley size. Doesn't mean he won't be a first rounder. I just don't think you can put him up in that top 10. Coach, as we let you go, can you give us a good Cordell Stewart anecdote? And we have plenty of time. I know you can't limit yourself just a minute or two. A story that stands out about our good friend Cordell. <laughs> you have to laugh at that with you, Cordell too, Stewart. Yeah, I, I, we don't have nearly enough time to get, let me get into uh, what I'd really like to tell you about Cordell Stewart. But I'm going to tell you this. When I got there, Cordell was on many lists as a, as a running back prospect. Of, uh, in the NFL. People loved his athleticism, but didn't think there was enough uh, quarterback uh, expertise to, to merit uh, his participating in the next level at that position. Cordell and I took that as a personal challenge, and the way he played in his final year at uh, Colorado became the all-time Big 8 total offense leader, which, Cordell, I'm glad to tell you, will always be the all-time Big 8 total <laughs> offense leader because there's right. no Big 8. Uh, right. The bottom line is the guy was a competitor par excellence and we were within an eyelash of winning a national championship. And had we had another answer or two against Nebraska, I think uh, he would have been the national championship quarterback as well. It was a pleasure to work with him. He's one of my all time favorites. And I know you're having a blast with him too. Sorry, Brian. That's all I'm going to get. All right. We'll wait for the podcast. (laughs) I need something that's a little bit more salacious. We'll do it next time. Hmm? Ryan, you know the, you know the miracle at Michigan. Yes, I'm familiar with that play. Okay, you're familiar with that play. Did Cordell make you play it before every show? As you no, I don't. Start? I don't actually. I don't. I don't. I'm just going to tell you this: we went over the play before it on the sideline. We didn't even have it in our in our playbook. All right, we hit it, Cordell, and it and it worked exactly like he drew it up. 
Cordell hits it. Michael Westbrook slides. I told him he had to slide. We couldn't afford him to running because we only had so much time left. And then Cordell runs over to me and says, okay, what do we do now? <laughs> With five seconds left. left, Cordell. You got to heave it. And you got to heave it a long way, and you got to buy time. Well, here's and, the thing, Coach. Uh, I, I promise you when I tell the story, I do add that in, I do add that to the story. I don't, I don't leave that part <laughs> out because that was the funniest of all time. You came over, I go, you got to heave it, son. <laughs> <laughs> he threw that ball, and I'm going to tell you, 73 yards in the air, and it looked like a wedge shot when it took off. And just like Nicholas staring down a wedge, you knew it had a chance, and the rest, as they say, is history. And now we know the rest of the story. Coach, always a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for being so generous with your time again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Enjoyed it, boys. Have a great uh, rest of your day. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this. The boys of summer are back. And a fly ball well hit. Back to the wall. He leaps. Can't get it. It's a home run. MLB spring training is here, and you can catch every game from Florida and Arizona live with your subscription to TuneIn Premium. Rivalry games, split squad games, TuneIn has it all. When the pitch count begins for real, catch every game of the 2018 MLB season from opening day to the MLB World Series live on TuneIn. It's gone. It's a home run. Major League Baseball is on TuneIn Premium. Listen all season long. Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. We continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, taking you around the league with Sean Salisbury, the former NFL quarterback. Sean, always a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. How much of an upgrade do you think Kirk Cousins is over Case Keenum for the Vikings? Well, it's an upgrade, and I, although Case had a phenomenal season last year considering where he's been, and I think there's a stigma at times he follows backup quarterbacks around, that people are waiting for him to prove that he's a backup. And I think in the playoff games, I mean, he was a top-five MVP last year in my mind. Top, you know, He played extremely well, protected the football, but in the playoffs, he left the door open because he did not play well, me and Case Keenum. He just didn't. He didn't play well against New Orleans. He got away with one at the end, and and Philadelphia obviously was clearly outplayed by Nick Foles, and they didn't play too well. And Minnesota was the better team going in, at least on paper. So uh, I have nothing but respect for Chase Keenan, but when Minnesota could have got him cheaper, and he was a guy who helped lead that team to the playoffs, and they still showed no interest in signing him, that ought to kind of tell you that they're concerned that is it a one-year deal. Is, is he going to come back and be able to do the same thing at his new, uh, you know, his new team this year. So I think that was a concern. But, man, did he play well last year. But a lot of times, and those of us who've been in his position as far as a backup, when you do start, people are waiting, well, is this for five years? Will it be for one year? Is it for four games? And I think that's something that he, he's going to be faced with his whole career, but he was impressive. As far as Cousins goes, yeah, it's not great. At least it appears that way. Um, the one thing about it is everybody, you know, he's praising Kirk Cousins, and I get it. I do, because I'm a fan of his. But I also know that if we're gonna if we're gonna give him credit, we also have to criticize at times and this will be the best team he's ever had. If Kirk Cousins doesn't get them to the Super Bowl, it's gonna fall they're gonna point the finger at him. In Washington it was well he didn't quite have enough talent. There's a lot of dysfunction there. Had he had gone to the Jets, it would have been, Well, there's not enough talent here. It, it, it's a three to five year period before we get where we wanna be. In Minnesota there is no excuses. They're loaded on offense. They've got a good defense. If Aaron Rodgers is not the division, they're the clear-cut winner of the division for a way. I mean, for 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 quite a ways in front of them now. But now there's some pressure on Cousins. I mean, he's a nine and seven, ten and six guy who hasn't won a playoff game, and he's a 
He's got as, as much money guaranteed as anybody at the position for, for the amount of deal he's on. So congratulations to him. I love the can of worms that it's open for guaranteed contracts. I think that Minnesota definitely on paper going in should be the favorite. If not in the NFC, they're sure not going to be third uh, as far as favorites go. So, But until he continues to secure the red zone and make that he doesn't make that one critical mistake at the end of a football game, which he's had the propensity to do, until he wins a playoff game, we're always going to wonder, is he overpaid? Will he get them over the hump? But we're going to see awful fast. I'm happy for Kirk, and I think that he's a really good player. But if anybody, he's not a top-five quarterback, so we'll see if he can get a very talented Vikings roster to the next level. That's a hell of a job by the Vikings to get a guy that you think can get to the next level because he'll put up some numbers. The question is, can he put up enough wins to get you through January and into February? Sean, I would say it's it's nothing less than an NFC Championship game, and if it is, with guaranteed money of $84 million bucks when he does sign the paper, uh, I think it's going to amount to be a tremendous amount of pressure you know, on him from us, from the fan base, uh, and I think from a lot of teams around the National Football League. But when you see something like this happen, who do you who do you point the finger at? Do you point it at point it at Case Keenum in his career and what he's accomplished up until last season, and then having a great year and thinking it's aberration, or is it just an organization that's trying to buy themselves a championship by thinking they have a quarterback in a Kirk Cousins? You know, I think that's a, a great point, and you're right. The pressure that's going to fall on Cousins, but Cordell, you know, if you were a star quarterback in the league, you know the pressure that goes with when you're that guy. Not a guy, but that guy. And that guy is expected to take his team to a different level. And now, with money that seems unfathomable and for a three-year deal for a guy who hasn't won a playoff team, that, that's, the, that, that's the nature of the business of the quarter out of position right now. Matt Ryan's going to get his, but he's been to a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is going to get his. He's won a Super Bowl. So I get it, but timing's everything. And if you can put some numbers up and timing hits perfect, then, then, you, then you're Kirk Cousins' situation. And I think it's a combination of both. Cordell, uh, with the situation, it's Case Keenum's been a journeyman. He's won some, lost some, and at one point in time in St. Louis, couldn't get off the bench. People have kind of discarded him. And he came in the third-string quarterback for, for the Vikings. If it's not for Bridgewater's injury and for Bradford's injury, he doesn't see the field. So, but he did, and he seized the moment, and he did. And he's, he's going to get paid handsomely for it. But I think there's still that at the end of the season when we saw that, like I said, man, which guy is he? One-year wonder, or is it, can he sustain this? And I think that that was part of Minnesota's thinking, because they had the guy they wanted. If they really thought that Keenum was the missing piece, they'd have franchised him. If you really thought that he was exactly, I mean, if you're the Vikings and you're evaluating, he's been there under your, right, under your loss all season long. If you thought he was the guy to get you to February, you would have signed him and saved a bunch of money. And, or signed him to, you would have taken a three-year deal without being franchised for for $21 million bucks or $20 million, bucks, I believe, to stay in Minnesota in that, in that system, even though Pat Shermer left. So I think that's part of it, the stigma that falls in my And I don't think any of us know how he's going to be at his next stop. I don't think we know. And I think that's what Minnesota's going through. They've seen the numbers Cousins have been put up, has put up the, the consistency. But you're right, they're investing a lot. And anything short of so I'll go one step further, Cordell. I, I don't think an NFC championship game's enough. They got to that. I mean, hell, they, 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 they got to that situation. I mean, they got, to, they got to Philadelphia. I don't think that's enough. I think that he's got to be playing in February next year. What are we at Atlanta next year? I think he's got to for them to value, at least in the three years that he's there. But next year, Vikings fans are going to say if he goes out and struggles, 
You know what they're going to say? Well, we should have paid less to get more. And I get it. But that's, that's what you do. You evaluate what's best for your team. And the Vikings are investing a lot of money because they believe this is the one piece to get them to February. The question will be, is it? And that's what Kirk Cousins is going to have to fix and answer sooner than later. Sean Salisbury is our guest on the NFL on Tune. And, Sean, because we talk about the league 15 hours a week, we go through all the scenarios, and we spend a lot of time talking about A.J. McCarron, how much he would be in play. Are you surprised at all that he's still available? Um, I am, but this may be a case of, you know, you know, it seems like the market's kind of quieted a little bit on the Nick Foles trade possibilities. But there's still teams, guys. Think about the movement now that has to happen between now and the draft. We've got six possible first-round picks, four we think for sure, and maybe a fifth and a sixth guy. No later than the second round for the next two guys, whoever those two might be, if it's Lamar Jackson and, and uh, Mason Rudolph, or if Lamar jumps up to three and Allen Foggins. There's so many different scenarios going on right now. So I think so, but I also think there's that. They're trying to figure, I think they're trying to find out where he fits in. Well, there's Case Keenum. And here's A.J. McCarron, was one a winner in college. We don't see much of him. He's not Jimmy Garoppolo, and he backed up Dalton, and he's a free agent, but we don't, we don't know yet. And then there's Case Keenum. We know what he, where he kind of fits in. And here's the Cousins level, which is a top shelf thing. So where, where does A.J. McCarron sit in? And teams, I think, right now are sitting there saying, well, if I'm Buffalo, hmm, do I want, is A.J. McCarron going to – so I have to pay him a three- or four-year deal at 18 to $21 million bucks a year. Is it worth it, or should I draft Josh Allen and get the same, and, and maybe have the same guy? I think he's in a precarious situation because we don't know enough about him. And this week we kind of went in with Keith Keenum last year, not knowing much about him other than he was a journeyman, and then he answered the bell. But now we're saying well, it was a one year. I think that's the problem. I don't think you know. I don't think teams are willing to invest eighteen. They'll invest even even Tannehill money right now, not knowing what we're going to get. All the talk we heard about. Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy validated that with five straight great games in, in San Francisco. I just think there's kind of a holding pattern. That doesn't mean he's not going to get paid a lot of money. I, I think teams are going to kind of, what's the rush? You'd like to get him under contract, but what's the rush? If you're a team like Buffalo and you say, you, you do all your evaluating, and you say, no, oh, wait, we want to draft Josh Allen, or we want to draft Baker Mayfield, then maybe you don't even take that chance. You'll get a guy cheaper. He'll be under his rookie deal. We'll, we'll uh, a first-round pick, so... The question is, how do you feel now? If somebody falls in love with A.J. McCarron or is just kind of trying to work out those details, then so be it. But I think people are treading lightly, and I think the market is probably not as high as he thought it'd be, but I don't think it's low. I don't think it's going to be as low as it feels right now. It'll be somewhere in between. Sean, Mike Vrabel has gone to, to the Tennessee Titans and really made his mark on trying to grab players from the New England Patriots to where they're like-minded in a sense. Vrabel played for Bill Belichick. He understands his ways. He's grabbed players like the Deion Lewis, given potentially a four-year, $23 million deal. And Malcolm Butler, a guy who didn't play in the Super Bowl, who I like to call the Ty Law 3.0. They end up giving him $61 million, 30 of it guaranteed. What direction do you think Mike Vrabel is trying to take this team in in order to really be a team that can make some noise throughout the AFC and in the National Football League? I think Mike's doing it the right way. And also John Robinson, who's been a, a Patriot, who's in the front office, the GM. They know the Patriot ways work, Cordell. And if you're most of us, we still scratch our head why Malcolm wasn't on the field. You know, from Super Bowl hero to can't get on the field in the Super Bowl to now $30 million guaranteed. So somebody thinks highly of him. And, and there was more than one. So I think it's wise to get a guy who you can count on as a starter. That position is in desperation 
from what we saw on film. Dory's still learning. There's some things to do. And Mike Vrabel understands you've got to have those type of players, and he played with those kind of guys. And in order to deploy the other nine, those corners are so valuable. Then you can deploy the other nine however you want to, whether you're going to blitz it or zone it. But you've got to have guys out there you can trust, and I think that's good. And Deion Lewis, I think he's the most overrated player in free agency. I do. I, 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 well, he's not the big bang back, and he's not the guy who's going to turn 30 times a game. But he is a guy that you can trust. He's going to catch it for you. He's going to spread the defense. He can catch it out of the backfield. He can catch it in a quick game. He can spread him out. He can run the ball. He's not – I mean, there's so – the versatility, and they think so too. I mean, if, I, if I'm Tennessee, this is a great one-two punch. You've got the pounded guy and Derrick Henry. And then you can wear a team out or vice versa. You can come out and spread him early, which we've seen Mario to do, which he's used to in college and still trying to adjust to the other type of system in the NFL. And then we could come in and wear you out – or we can do the opposite. We can pound on you for three and a half quarters or three quarters, and then if we need to on first down, we can bring in our, our, our third down back, and we can throw it eight times in a row with him out of backfield. So I, I, I love what Mike's doing. Go get players that are going to think like you thought, that are going to practice like you expect to practice, and whether they like Belichick or not, meaning Deion Lewis and, and Malcolm Butler and even Mike Rabel, if he said, you know, Bill can wear on you, but one thing he will do, it's like our parents. Some of the things that drive us crazy about our parents. What do we do when we're adults? And we do the same thing to our kid. The same thing here. Well, Bill may drive some people crazy. Belichick, that is. His structure and doing it the right way and staying the course of the process has worked well for them. So why not emulate? We always emulate success. Teams that don't emulate success end up being the Cleveland Browns. But I like what Mike's doing. They're not far away. And that division is going to be a bastard if our Andrew Luck gets healthy and they draft well. If Deshaun Watson comes back and Watt comes back, and Mariota stays healthy and stays on the field, and with that defense and some young offensive uh, players in Jacksonville, we, we got a division that three years ago we were laughing at. We're not laughing at it anymore, so I think Mike knows he's got to keep up. John, let's wrap it up with a quick thought on Arizona. I'm a little bit puzzled as to how they were thinking at the quarterback position, going with an injury-prone Sam Bradford. Yes, he was efficient in Minnesota, but we know history says he's going to get banged up. And adding Mike Lennon, do you think that's the best they could do? Uh, no. I actually, to me, I would have, I, I could think a number of teams. If I'm Denver with the Case Keenum situation, I still draft the quarterback at five. I, I wouldn't even hesitate. If I'm the Arizona Cardinals, and let, let's hey, Sam Bradford's an accurate passer. Sam Bradford's not going to, and like I said, we don't. You you hit it, hit it, Brian. I don't know if I'm going to get Sam Bradford for a week and a half or for 16 weeks. The chances are closer to the other one than the, the, the former than the latter. And I respect Sam. I think Sam Bradford's a stopgap, but I don't know if I can trust him. And if he gets hurt, come on, you got a guy sitting right next to you. No, this is no offense to Mike Glenn. I guess maybe it is offense. We say no offense. You got a guy sitting right next to you that might be able to play better than Mike Glennon tomorrow. Okay, and I'm not kidding you. So while I, Mike's a solid backup, that's exactly what he's going to be his whole career. He's Chad Henney. He's going to be a backup. And with Sam Bradford, he's a spot starter that can give you a season. But I need continuity. I can't go into it, well, is he hurt? Is he playing? Isn't he? And I respect him. But to me, I'm, I got just as good a chance. Sign Sam Bradford. I get it. But so go, sign, go draft the quarterback in the first round and let's develop him. And, and in a week, he may be playing because I don't know if Sam's going to last. So the Arizona Cardinals are confusing, but maybe they're saying we'll deal with it this year. It'll be a bridge to next year. But what are they bridging to? Where they got to change the quarterback position again? I always believe if you like the quarterback and there's some potential there, draft him. 
I, I would draft a quarterback every year, Brian. I would every single year, not in the first round, but every year in some round I'd draft a quarterback. Either use him as an asset, Patriots, with Brissett and with Garoppolo, or keep him and let him be the heir apparent at some point. So, to me, the Arizona Cardinals are going about this wrong. Maybe Sam and Mike Glennon will surprise us, and they've got a chance to make some headway because the Seattle Seahawks are going in the wrong direction. Sean, great information as always. We love when you are available to come on the show. Thanks for joining us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. Appreciate you guys. Always appreciate you having me on. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. TuneIn has what you need and when you want it when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs. Today's hits. Latin hits. Country roads. Hip hop beat. Sit down. Sit down. Supporting artists and the music they make exclusively on TuneIn. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's welcome in Mike Wabshaw from the Vikings Entertainment Network. Mike, we appreciate you taking the time. How much does the fact the Kirk Cousins contract is fully guaranteed potentially create some cap issues for this team moving forward, taking care of other players? Yeah, Brian, I, I don't know if, you know, the Vikings in the past with, you know, Rob Brzezinski is, is the guy who, for lack of a better term, manages the salary cap. He's been in Minnesota since the late 90s. You know, Rick Spielman, who's now the GM, he's been here since, um, you know, 2006, 2007. They've been so responsible with the cap in the past. I can't, I can't really remember a time when we've been in, in a bad salary cap situation. Um, and, and then at the combine, you know, Rick Spielman talked about how you know they've been planning for for this situation, this scenario, cap wise, for a few years. I mean, they extended Harrison Smith, they extended Linval Joseph, they extended Everson Griffin twice, and they extended Xavier Rhodes' contract all proactively. And, and I think all of that kind of is blending together and is putting the Vikings in a position to to get a, a quarterback off the free agent market. So however it shakes out, I don't think they're going to be in cap peril. Now it is, it is a big giant puzzle. And, and if you got a big piece somewhere, um, you know, you're going to have to take from other areas. But I think to do that at the quarterback position is about the only position where it's truly worth it every time. And I don't think the Vikings will be in bad cap shape. Mike, you mentioned the word worth it. Um, when you look at the body of work at the quarterback position as team overall, as far as continuity is concerned, it was a butt whipping away from having a chance. Let's just say that uh, to go into the Super Bowl. Obviously, Philadelphia just played. I mean, some of the best football you can play in in a game of that magnitude. But yet to jump to, to to get a quarterback like a Kirk Cousins, who's not even necessarily in the middle of the pack, and give him eighty four million bucks guaranteed, not even being against the cap, but being on the hook. To where worst case scenario, it has to be an NFC championship or Super Bowl or bust. What's the feeling around the community now that they know that this deal is going to get done with Kirk Cousins? Well, I think this, you know, this community, the fan base, Viking fans, you know, it's a mixture of they, you know, they, a lot of them feel whole, like, ah, we never win the big one. We're cursed. We're never going to do it. But at the same time, they are so loyal and passionate and, they have high expectations for their team every season. 
And, you know, two of the last three years they've won the division. They've won four out of the last five games against Green Bay. They have the number one defense in the NFL. They have a beautiful brand-new stadium, beautiful brand-new practice facility. I mean, you know, the the expectations are high. And, and I don't. I think they'd be high even if they were bringing back one of their quarterbacks from last season or they ended up with um, one of the other free agent quarterbacks besides – Kirk Cousins, you know, I think the expectations would be high no matter what. Now, yeah, the contracts that have been given to quarterbacks here, or at least reportedly given to quarterbacks here this offseason, it's a lot of money, and you're right, Cordell, with, you know, with a lot of money comes a lot of expectation, but I think the expectations would be high for the Vikings even without a big-name quarterback uh, because of how good this roster is. Chatting with Mike Wobshaw from the Vikings Entertainment Network. Mike, now that the team has a player they believe is a franchise quarterback in Kirk Cousins, who's the next free agent they're going to need to take care of down the road? How is this offensive unit going to potentially hang together? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, Stephon Diggs would be a guy you'd point to. I mean, Adam Thielen has been taken care of. Um, Kyle Rudolph's under contract for a few years. I think, um, you know, they just got Riley Reef and Mike Remmers. They drafted Pat Elfline. So I think all that's really good. I think you'd look at Stephon Diggs maybe potentially as one guy that you could consider. And then on, on defense, the, the core is really young and ascending. So you're going to have defensive end Daniel Hunter, linebackers Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, corner Trey Wayne. Those are all names I, I think maybe you'd, you'd look at. Um, now the Vikings will have the fifth-year option on, on the first-round picks in that group, Anthony Barr and Trey Waynes. Um, and then, of course, you always have the franchise tag as a mechanism to retain a guy for another year or two. Uh, but, um, you know, like I said earlier, I, I think that the Vikings have been so cap-responsible and so, um, so proactive with the cap that I think they're going to do a good job of spreading out some of the big numbers so they can absorb them each year and keep the core intact. I just don't see... With, with the tone and the language that Mike Zimmer and Rick Steelman used at the Combine, where Rick said, I never view a team as being one player away, and Zimmer said, we've won 40 games in four years because we have a good team, not because we have one good player. With them talking like that, it just gives me the sense that they are very conscious of the team and keeping the team intact. When you look at this team and you think about the second, this actually, I'm about to say the secondary, but the backfield, uh, having Delvin Cook come back, I mean, how big is that uh, for this Huge. overall game? Because now you have John Filippo, who's actually going to be the play caller as opposed to Pat Shermer. This can be a totally different scenario, but having Delvin Cook back, how big would that be for this offense? Yeah, huge, Cordell. I think it gives this offense some explosion. Um, you know, Jarek McKinnon reportedly is, is going to sign elsewhere, so you're missing a guy who had starter um, reps, and a guy who can do a lot of different things out of the backfield. So Dalvin Cook will be able to kind of fill Jarek McKinnon's shoes from last year. Hopefully Latavius Murray will be back, so you got a nice little one-two punch there. Um, but, I mean, Dalvin Cook in three-and-a-half games I, uh, that we got to watch him last year, I just saw a really explosive back who can, who can explode running it or catching it, and a physical back who's not afraid to try and pass protect. So I think you got a guy you can use on any of the three downs, I think he'll be a big boost for our offense next season. I know, um, you know, quarterbacks, they like, they like having that outlet, right, Cordell? I mean, you got a, a running back who can catch. That's a nice outlet to have. So, and I think Dalvin Cook can be that guy. 
Mike Wabshaw, Vikings Entertainment Network, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Mike, one of the key assets for Kirk Cousins has been his durability. He's never missed a start. What's the state of the offensive line for next season to try to keep him upright? Yeah, well, Joe Berger is one of our starting guards. Um, you know, he we don't know if he'll be back or not. I, I think he's you know, to the point in his career that everyone gets to in its double-digit seasons. You wonder when they're going to retire. So Joe will have a decision to make there. Um, and then we have Nick Easton, the other starting guard, um, you know, who's coming off of an injury that ended his season late, late in the year. Um, the other three starters we mentioned earlier, a left tackle, Riley Reef, right tackle, Mike Remmers, and center Pat Elfline, they're in great shape with those guys. And then Mike Zimmer mentioned during the combine that Mike Remmers, who was a free agent signing last year at this time, he's got position flexibility as a tackle or a guard. And so that's going to allow the Vikings during the draft or during um, free agency to get either a guard or tackle. Whoever is the best one available, they can go get that guy, and then they could plug Remmers in wherever the void is. So I think they're in good shape on the offensive line. I don't think it's mission accomplished. I think they want to they tinker with it a little bit here this offseason. Um, but I think that there's a good structure in place. I think there are good returning starters. And I think Pat Elfline is the one to watch because he had a really good rookie season. In this team, repeat winning the division next season against Aaron Rodgers, who's coming back. Matthew Stafford is now going to have a, a quality defense because of their new coach. Yeah. Do you see this Minnesota Vikings team winning that division again? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the NFC North, guys, is going to be a, a division where, you know, when, when the preseason is on us and everyone's trying to predict who's going to win divisions, you know, I think there's not going to be much agreement on the NFC North. I think – the Packers and Aaron Rodgers are certainly, um, you know, the favorite or second favorite. And he's just one of the best quarterbacks in the game. It looks like they're going to be uh, pretty active in trying to fill some holes here in free agency. And um, it's a tough place to go and win. We know that as well as any team in the league. So I think the Packers are going to be right up there. But I, I think the Vikings are, too. They're bringing back most of their starters. I think they're going to have an improved situation at quarterback. Um, and offense overall, I think that we can take steps forward there um, after a good year of improvement last season. So I think the Vikings are going to be right there with the Packers, and you can never count Matthew Stafford out. He comes back in the fourth quarter to win games so many times. Um, so I think it's a great division. I think it's uh, it's almost you know anyone's race. But I think the Vikings, when they get together at training camp and Mike Zimmer's writing goals down on the whiteboard, Winning the division will be number one, and uh, and I think it should be, and I think that they'll do it in 2018. Mike, as always, we appreciate the insights. Thanks for taking the time to join us again today on the NFL on TuneIn. My pleasure, guys. Enjoy free agency. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. Tune in your everything audio app.